You guys, uh, this past week was, uh, or this next week is our last starting point class for the season. We've spent the last eight weeks together as a group uh, examining questions like, why should I trust the Bible? Why should I believe the stories? And why should I consider reorientating my life around the person of Jesus? And I got to tell you, I, I love starting point, not just because it's one of the things I get to do around here. It's, it's because it's a place where no question is out of bounds. And something we often say in starting point is a good question is better than a bad answer. And, and that's because we value each person's life experience and each person's perspective, and we know that good questions are better than bad answers. Uh, and we know that kind of generally in life, right? Like a good question can really save you. A good question can be a really powerful thing in your life. So let me give you a couple of examples. A few years ago, my son, Camille, he got old enough so that he could start kind of, you know, showering by himself. And, uh, and so he was doing that one day, and he came out of the shower, and he had this, like, look on his face like he had seen a ghost. And he's like, Mom, Dad, my hair is falling out. And he had, like, big clumps of hair falling out of his head. A good question for us to have asked before we let him in here, in there was, uh, did you leave your nair in the shower, Adrian? And <laughs> does it look like conditioner to an eight-year-old boy? A good question would have been appropriate there. Uh, okay, one more, really quickly. Uh, another time where a question would have been valuable. Uh, a few years back, I went to see my family doctor. She's a really close friend of our family. Uh, she is an amazing person, comes over for Christmas all the time, and, and, and we love her, so you know we know her well. And uh, she's also a nun, which is kind of like an interesting combination. She's a doctor and a nun. And I went to see her because I, I had hurt myself lifting at work. This was back when I was at Suncor. I, I, I had a hernia, which is a little bit of a you know, uncomfortable thing to tell everyone. And, and so I went, it gets worse, you guys, I promise. Uh, and so then I went to the doctor. I was sitting on her desk in, in her office. And, and she's like, okay, Lucas, you know, you know, take down your pants and we'll have a look. And, and then she swiveled back to her computer to do some typing. And so, like, I did what she told me. Uh, like, I took it all down. And, like, it was really drafty in there, you guys. <laughs> and, and poor, my poor friend and doctor, she, and my friend, Dr. Nunn, she spun around and she was just like, No, Lucas, just your jeans! <laughs> and so, like... Uh, a good question there would have prevented me from being the only person in this room who's flashed a nun, you guys. That <laughs> good question. The right question, the right question at the right time is always powerful. Now, over the next few Sundays leading up to Christmas, we're going to look at the Christmas story. We're going to talk all about it, all the different parts of the Christmas story, the story of the birth of Jesus to his uh, mother Mary. We're going to talk about his adoptive father Joseph and the, the wise men and the, and the shepherds. We're going to talk about all those parts. And as we look at the story of Christmas, we're going to try to find the best questions to ask. We're going to try to find the crucial questions of Christmas to help us discover what the story, how that story can add value to our lives today because the right question at the right time is always powerful. And so today, this, the lens we're going to look at the Christmas story through is the lens of Mary, the mother 
of Jesus. And the question that we're gonna ask as we look through Mary's lens today is do I believe God keeps his promises? Do I believe God keeps his promises? And this is a question Mary had to answer, not just once, but over and over and over again, do I believe that God keeps his promises? And so let's, as we talk about Mary's story, this is the question that we're asking. Let's consider this question as we look at her story. So Mary's story is captured in the book of Matthew and Luke, Luke in your Bibles. Matthew was a Jew. He was a close friend of Jesus. Uh, he was also one of Jesus' disciples. So when Matthew writes, he writes as a firsthand eyewitness to the things he's writing about, the stories of Jesus as he saw it through his own eyes. But Luke is a little bit different. Luke was a Greek, and he did not travel with Jesus. Now, eventually he would know all the people from Jesus' inner circle, and he'd spend lots of time with them, and he'd become part of the early church. But he did not walk the streets with Jesus. But he heard, after the death of Jesus, he heard about this guy from Galilee, this news of this trademan who was uh, doing miracles and preaching about the coming kingdom of heaven throughout the land. And Luke was intrigued. And Luke set out, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, to write an orderly account of that story. He set out to ask the crucial questions. Is this story true? Can it be trusted? In the Gospel of Luke, before he gets into the story of Mary, this is how he begins his gospel. Luke 1, 1 through 4 says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated, every, investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Luke says many people have written accounts about this guy, Jesus. Many people have told his stories, but I have questions and I need answers. And so I'm going to ask the crucial questions. And so Luke's document, the, the document, the book of Luke, is really this opportunity for Luke to advocate for and to, to provide an accurate, trustworthy, unbiased account of the life of Jesus. He asked the crucial questions. That's, that's where we get this information from that we're going to talk about today. A guy who set out to, to find the truth. And so let's remember this as we go to Luke uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read a bit from the first chapter of Luke where it talks about Mary. So uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 34. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man, Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So an angel appears to this young woman. At the time, Mary was probably only around 14 years old. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. 
And she already had a plan of what her next few years are going to look like, right? You know, a year of engagement, she's going to marry Joseph, start a family. She knows where her future is headed. And then suddenly, this angel of heaven interrupts her story and tells her, that story's got to change. God has special plans for you. The, The angel tells her that God is about to do something very special in all of the world. He is sending his son to make a way for the kingdom of heaven to break through into the world. And she will be the one who brings the most high son of God into the world where he will set all things right and he will rescue their people and reign forevermore. And Mary, you guys, she is caught off guard. She can't be pregnant. She knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that she cannot be pregnant. And even if she was, these promises, right, they're huge incredibly difficult promises to believe, to trust. How can she believe this promise of God? Put yourself in her footsteps, right, in in her shoes. Would you believe this promise? In Luke 1, 35 through 37, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, he talks about her, her cousin, Elizabeth. Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she was, has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And this is the great part. For the word of God will never fail. The angel tells her that God will make a way for the things that he has promised to happen. God will make a way. For the word of God will never fail. Do you guys, do you remember when you were 14? Do you remember like the biggest problem that you had when you were 14? It it wasn't this big, was it? Mine was like, did I want a long mullet or a really, really long mullet, right? This is what I was thinking about when I was 14. This angel is asking Mary, this 14-year-old girl, are you ready to raise a a son? This is a serious question for a teenager. And, And there's no doubt that Mary knew that this would destroy her reputation, right? Nobody was going to believe that God put a baby in, in Mary. Nobody, everyone, maybe they'd say, oh, sure, sure, good, yeah, yeah. But they turn around, they wouldn't believe that, right? They would believe that she had uh, this baby out of marriage. And then think about Joseph. Joseph knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's not his child. What's he supposed to think? There is so much hanging in the air for this young woman in this promise from God. The early ancient world that we're talking about right now, for an unwed mother, it would not be a forgiving place. And yet, Mary responds to the angel and she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I believe. I believe God and his promises. And that night, in a village in the middle of nowhere, the faith of this young teenage girl changed the world forever. And it, sometimes we have a tendency to hear a story like this, to read the Bible and, and, and the characters and the stories in there, they're so incredible. And, and we have this tendency to say, well, of course she believed. Of course she had faith. I mean, an angel literally appeared to her and, and told her these things were going to happen. If an angel appeared to me and told me God had a mission for me, I'd believe it straight away. Of course I would never doubt. But if we look at the story 
of the people of God throughout the ages, we find moments of God's miraculous deliverance, followed by seasons of great doubt in God's people. It started right at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. They walked in the cool of the garden with God, right? And still they chose to rebel against his instructions. Then there was uh, how God told Abraham and Sarah that their descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. And still Abraham and Sarah laughed at God and, and tried to make things happen with their own strength. And God used Moses to miraculously deliver his people from slavery in Egypt, right? This amazing story. And yet only a month after being rescued from slavery, the people of God are building idols and worshiping other gods. And then there's David. God had gave David and the people of Israel every promise that they could hope for. And yet David stood on his balcony each day searching for a way to betray his conscience and fall into sin. And here's the thing, you guys. God has showed up in our lives too. A prayer for healing, a broken relationship restored, a, a surprise source of income when you desperately needed it. A calling and a purpose greater than you had planned. A child, maybe, when you were beginning to lose hope. Forgiveness, just when you needed it. God has shown up. You and I have seen the miraculous work of God. And if we're honest, just like God's people throughout all the ages, we still doubt We've heard from the angel. We've seen the miracle. We've experienced the forgiveness. And yet sometimes as time progresses, that, we, that doubt begins to build in us. And the miraculous becomes less and less a part of your memories. And so, yeah, an angel told Mary that she would bear a son, and that son would be the salvation of all her people, and she believed it. But time would pass, just like for you and I, and Mary would have to again and again choose to trust, to not doubt, choose to have faith in those promises of God. And shortly after the Magi, or the, the wise men in the, in the songs and the stories you've heard, shortly after they visited infant Jesus, his adoptive father, Joseph, had a dream. And in that dream, an angel warned Joseph that Herod, the king of the land, had set out to kill all the Jewish boys under two years old. And the angel said to, to Joseph, you've got to get out of here. You've got to escape or Jesus is going to die. And so... That day, after the, hearing that message from the angel, that, that day, fearing for their lives, Joseph, Mary, and infant Jesus loaded up, and they began their escape to a faraway land in Egypt. And I like to wonder what Mary thought of the promises of God on that long journey to Egypt. Forced from her home, fleeing to a distant land with just an infant child, afraid for his life, I wonder what she thought about the, the promises of God for the three years she spent as a refugee in Egypt. If Herod finally died, and Mary and Joseph returned to their home where Jesus uh, had been born and raised him and trained him in the ways of their people. And he took up his father's profession as a carpenter and a stonecutter. And as the years went by, as Mary watched her son toil in the shop with Joseph, I wonder what she thought about the promises of God watching her adult son embrace the life of its simple tradesman. 
And then Jesus left his ministry, right? We know this part of the story well. But instantly he became homeless and jobless and unknown and unimportant to every parent's dream for their child, right? But then something worse than being unknown happened to Jesus. He became known as a problem. His life and his teaching offended those who were in power. Jesus offended the pagan leaders of Rome equally as much as he offended the religious leaders of the Sanhedrin. They wanted him silenced. And I wonder what Mary thought as Jesus' reputation grew as someone who the ones in power wanted to be silenced. I wonder what she thought of the promises of God as the reputation of her son grew into a troublemaker and a rebel. I wonder if, like many of us, she lost sleep worrying about her children, her child. And it got worse. And Jesus was arrested, and they falsely accused him of crimes, and he was unjustly sentenced to death, and he was beaten and bruised, and he was forced to carry a cross on his shoulders up the hill of Calvary. And when they got to the top, they put nails through his hands and his feet, and they secured him to that tree, and they raised it above the crowd. And I can't imagine what Mary was feeling as she sat there watching her son die on a tree. I can't imagine her sorrow and her pain. She protected him. She fed him. She clothed him. She raised him from infancy. It was her son up there on that tree. She cared for him more than anybody else in the world. As he died, I wonder what she thought about the promises of God. She saw her child hanging on that tree. I wonder what she thought about the promises of God when Jesus called out to John who was there and asked him, John, will you take care of my mom after I'm gone? I wonder what she thought of the promises of God when she watched her baby boy breathe his last breath. And I wonder what she thought of the promises of God when they rolled that rock in front of the tomb and he was sealed away from her. I know what I would have thought. God is a liar. God is wrong. He tricked me. He was wrong. My life was a lie. I would have totally given up on the plan. Jesus was dead. And hope was gone. But then something happened, right? The single most important event in human history. Jesus was dead, but life returned to him. His lungs filled with air and his heart began to beat again. And new life flowed through his body. Jesus, the son of Mary, was alive again. I wonder what Mary thought. The promises of God. Holding her resurrected son in her arms. Do you believe the promises of God? Do you believe he keeps his promises? Mary did. Life has a way of challenging our beliefs. Life has a way of challenging our faith. It brings cause for questions and doubt. 
and time makes awe and wonder fade away. The difficulties and the frustrations of this life frustrate our faith as well. But God's promises do not rise and fall on the ever-changing tidewaters of our faith. His commitments to you do not waver in the face of trouble. He is faithful even when you are faithless. To the ancient church in Corinth who had lost their way, Paul wrote this, for all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. The promises of God find their yes and their amen in the person of Jesus the Christ. God's commitments to you find their resounding amen in the resurrection of Jesus. Now he has promised to forgive your sin to remove it from you as far as the east is from the west. He has promised to adopt you into his family, to make you one of his own. He has promised to take away your shame and your regret. He has promised to care for your mortal body, where the sun of righteousness rises with healing in its wings. He has promised to suffer with those who are suffering and grieve with those who are grieving. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And he has promised to give strength to the weary. Even youths grow tired and weary, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Grab hold of the promises of God and do not let them go. Write them on your hearts and make them your story. We're going to close with a moment of worship and an invitation to seal these promises in your heart, so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And the writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 10.23. He said, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. He can be trusted. You can believe that God keeps his promises. Every year here at Fort City, uh, we get together at Christmas for a joint staff party between Fort City staff and the YWAM staff team as well. And uh, we just had our party just two days ago on Friday night. It's always a lot of fun. And we do this thing, uh, this gift exchange thing that we call Dirty Santa. A bunch of, yeah, it's a bunch of Christians playing a game called Dirty Santa. It's not how bad as it sounds, you guys. Uh, but it's this gift exchange game where you can, you know, take a random gift and people can steal it. And if you think the name is inappropriate, Brune made it up. And so... Um, <laughs> so you can talk to her uh, if, if you need, if you have a problem with it. Uh, and so years ago, this was a long time ago, I'm not quite sure how many years ago, um, Steph Manili was getting a gift to put into our gift exchange. And uh, she was down in the Walmart parking lot and saw a black truck uh, with a sign that says, said, pickled wieners for sale. <laughs> And that was it. And Steph, being the person that she is, thought, that sounds like a great gift. And so she went and she bought a jar of pickled wieners uh, from some random guy in the Walmart parking lot. And she put that in the gift exchange. Now, it was not, nobody was trying to steal that. 
that, that gift, uh, the, the pickled wieners. Uh, it was not very popular, and I can't remember who got it first, but they went home with it. And then what was funny, okay, this is where the story, okay. Oof, that was a long time to get here. The next year, we're having our party again. Guess what shows up at the party? This jar of pickled wieners. Somebody new went home with it. Then the next year, guess what showed up again? This jar of pickled wieners. And then on Friday night, you guys, guess what showed up again? You're looking at the proud owner <laughs> of Walmart parking lot back of truck, pickled wieners. They're mine. They're, they're mine, you guys. I'm going to put these right here by the advent candle. Looks like it belongs there. It's a running gag now, right? I, I hope for as long as I'm part of the team here at Fort City, these pickles make their way into our staff party. And, and I think they will. And because some things you can just count on. Some things you can just count on. They become part of your life. They become part of the way you live and, and you can just know that this is going to happen again and again and again. Do you believe the promises of God? Is he going to show up again and again and again for you? I think you can believe those promises. Mary did. And we can learn from her story. When Mary was first pregnant with Jesus, she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Luke tells us that upon seeing Mary, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's an important part of the story. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke a powerful and everlasting blessing over Mary. This is what she said. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believed the Lord would do what he said he would do. You are blessed because even though it is hard to believe, you did anyway. You are blessed because you believe that God keeps his promises. Do you believe that God keeps his promises to you? Do you believe that God keeps his promises to you? It's okay if you don't. It's okay if you wander. It's okay if you've walked away. It's, it's, these things are okay. God's promises are sure. And you can count on them. So today I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me if, if you want. A prayer where you once again declare that you believe the promises of God. And even if, even if it's hard for you to say these words, I, and they can be hard. I, your circumstances are different than mine. All of the stories in this room, I understand we're not all in the same place. But even when it's hard, we can say, I want to believe. I want to commit to believe these promises. And so I'm going to invite you in this moment. If you'd like to recommit to those promises of God, to, if you would like to invite him to give you faith fresh and new to fill you with the spirit of faith this morning, I, I invite you to pray these words with me. We're going to put them up on the screen. And, I, I, and, and we're, going to do, we're going to be weird about it. If you want to pray it, please pray it out loud with me, along with me, as we commit together to the hope of the story of Jesus and to trust in the story of Jesus. So, if you want to pray this with me, let's pray it together. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your life, death, 
and resurrection. Thank you that you love me. I know you have made so many promises to me. Jesus, I believe you keep your promises. And where there is unbelief in my heart, Lord, help my unbelief. Amen. Let me pray for Jesus, thank you for the story of faithfulness of Mary. That time and time again, challenged by the difficulties of the world and the difficulties of her circumstances, she chose time and time again to trust you and to believe your promises. And Jesus, I invite you this moment to impart the faith of your mother into each one of us. That you would give us the faith and the courage to face our lives trusting your promises. That we would face our world bravely and courageously, advancing the kingdom in the places where we work, in the places where we serve, the places where we go to school. That Jesus, we would carry this hope with us wherever we go and share it with all those that we encounter. Jesus, we thank you for your love and for your hope and for your promises. And that you will keep. Bring us in your name. Amen.